0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to season three. I am Jacqueline Tecarante with JMT Media. And today I have an amazing guest that I have been following for, gosh, a little over three years. Um, as many of you know, our listeners and our viewers, um, JMT Media is officially the first Native American MWBE in New York City history. And by part because we clearly advocated for a piece of legislation um, that was passed back in 2019. And so if you're new to our uh, podcast, you will learn that I have discovered over the past five years um, growing up in Texas that I'm my family is actually Native American and we're not Mexican-American. And although I love me, Selena, some tacos all day, every day, And so, part of that self discovery and also understanding who I am as an entrepreneur and my purpose, I was able to sit on a panel, um, a digital panel called Native Women Lead. And it was a digital online virtual conference over the pandemic, during the course of the pandemic, teaching about resources, um, networking, connections. And each panelist received A beautiful box of goodies like their swag bag and this was everything from bison bar soap which is fantastic um some amazing sage but then there was this brand that really caught my eye Um, and i'm going to show y'all and if you're only listening to itunes or spotify the company is called cheekbone beauty And what really caught my eye, aside from the lovely and beautiful packaging, because it's modern, but it also pays homage to indigenous cultures, um, one of the things that I absolutely love were the colors, vibrancy, and um, nothing was dull about this brand. And so I had to um, invite Miss Jen Harper to join us on this podcast. So Jen, are you there?
1: Yes, I'm here and extremely excited to be here with you.
0: Jen, I the, the pleasure is all mine. I have been, you know, before we even started the podcast, I gave you a little bit of rundown. But, you know, to see a, first off, a woman of color or a woman in business is very rare. Most people think even in the digital media space, I tell even students that I work with that less than 7% are women and less than 2% are my or minority women. So in the beauty fields, in the beauty industry, that has clearly shifted and um, because of brands just like yours. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of your involvement um, and how you started. I know a little bit about your story, but I'd love for our guests to hear how this all started in 2015.
1: Yeah. Not your typical path into the beauty industry. So I was actually in the seafood industry. Uh, I was selling fish at the time of of the inception of the idea for the brand. And it actually came, I had like a literal pop out of the bed, middle of the night dream back in 2015. And in the dream, it's not like I knew that this was what the brand or business was going to be called, but it was these native little girls with their brown skin and rosy little cheeks and they were covered in lip gloss. And you know, when I think back, I'm like, how did I even know that was lip gloss? Anyway, <laughs> that dream happens. I grabbed my laptop that night and literally wrote out like the, what is the foundation of our brand to this day? And it was, I wanted to create a product. And at the time that was lip gloss and use a portion of profits to support my community somehow. And I had thought yeah. right away in, in that writing on the laptop that night, I wrote, like, start a scholarship fund or a foundation in honor of my grandmother, who was a residential or boarding school survivor. And so I know we've learned that um Indigenous people, Native Americans in, in North America, there was a honest to goodness, like, systematic approach to eradicate our people and our culture. And this was brought to north america through like essentially church and state and let's put these people in this school system and we're going to do this and say we're going to educate them But at the same time, there was so much harm being done and done to, to, to my people and so many families. And what I learned from learning about my grandmother, her name is Emily Paul, and she was taken from our family's reservation at the age of six. And I have children. And if you have children, you can imagine a six year old being taken. And then she was taken away till she was 16. And it's not like regular boarding school where you get to go spend the summers with your family or holidays. No, this was like designed to, remove our language and Mm -hmm. our cultural practices. And what this did in, in turn, is I've learned now this, this, this statement called generational or transgenerational trauma, when a person or people are faced with an event that they're not equipped to deal with. And in my family's case, this was the residential school. And so you can imagine the negative impacts that this has had for, for so many of us because of this. And what I was learning and when I discovered this at the same time of having this dream and how my grandmother tied into this was I myself was recently sober. And so I had battled alcoholism for many years. And I really honestly thought I was just screwed up. My family screwed up. I couldn't understand why, Mm -hmm. but what happened when I learned about the residential school system, this actually gave me like oh okay a reason and i don't know why as human beings we need sometimes a reason why something's happening or a reason why your life is the way it is but once i had the reason then i felt like i could do something about that i could change this this story or this narrative and not only for me what i was learning is wow there's not a lot of um you know i couldn't find or see for so long I think the beauty of who I was and my people and where I came from. And I think I was blocking that because of trauma. And for so many other reasons I could get into the list is endless, but once I realized, okay, I had this idea and newly sober, which, so I'm on my own personal healing journey. I was just like hell bent (laughs) to make this brand a real thing. And so naive. I can't believe how much I did not know. When I look back, I can't believe how much I still don't know. Um, but just super grateful that I've had the opportunity to create something that is uh, gotten into the hands of so many people and, and then so proud of the fact that we've given back to communities across North America in exceeding $300,000 and Absolutely. we started a scholarship fund finally it took a long time but yeah the journey's been wild, but no experience in the beauty space that my the reason I always tell that part of the story is just because I think people need to believe in themselves and when you recognize that I'm like if I can do this I think anyone can figure out just about anything and that idea of like if you if you want to build it you can it just takes tons of hard work and passion not that it's easy I never want to claim that that that's easy um but the passion certainly behind it. And then recognizing now that the need for this in our communities along this journey, Mm -hmm. I tragically lost my brother to suicide and understanding. Thank you. It's been, you know, and it, that is such, it's, I I call it this extraordinarily painful companion, but honestly I think having conversations with him in the early days about the brand and then recognizing how much representation really does matter and how much more we need this for our people and our communities. And, uh, he's been such a part of the brand and the journey. And so I always say, I've, am grateful that I know that for me, his death will never be in vain. Like I'm doing so much and I know our family is doing so much The because you know, his death is all part of, again, that trauma, like this is all part of it, but then how can we make any sort of change? And I, I know I don't ever want to speak like grandiose or, or be, um, I guess, uh, 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 you know, audacious in the sense that, I'm not thinking I'm going to solve a problem, but I know, and I know us as individuals in our little parts of the world, we can certainly be a part of trying to make change and see a difference and do something to support our community. And we just happened to choose makeup to do that, which is really fun. And then the whole other side of this story is crazy because once I got into the industry, I realized how messed up this beauty industry is and how much they need help in this, yeah. in terms of like, we're in a climate crisis right now. And so brands need to really be thinking about making huge shifts towards sustainability. And what does that mean? And, and man, that is a journey, but um, for sure we can get more into that, but it's such, it's been a wild ride.
0: No, I, 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 you know, as I was reading, um, Part of your in style magazine, like the interview. I mean, I was jotting down some notes here. So one of the things that I find really interesting is when I jumped on. You know, you talked about it. Representation matters. Um, for being new to the Native American community, you know, I, I found out about this, and some of our viewers have have been on this journey with me. Found out about this about a month before my grandmother passed on. And she was raised in Ponca City, Oklahoma, and her and her sibling uh, hitchhiked all the way to San Antonio, Texas um, for many, many reasons when they were 11 and 12 years, respectfully. And so now when I jumped on that Native Woman Lead panel, because I was excited, I was like, yes, it's like a new family. And I saw all these beautiful faces, because it was on Zoom. So you see everybody's little faces and everyone looked just like me, I had to take myself off the camera to collect myself because I hadn't seen really anybody like me, even growing up in Texas. um, You know, it's predominantly Hispanic, white, Chinese, super diverse, everybody's there. But you know, I'm 5'11 and super tall and high cheekbones and long hair. And I'm like, where's the rest of my family? Why does nobody look like me? I don't understand. And so it was a very moving moment for me, even before the panel had even began. Mm. And so I've been following Vanessa. I've been following y'all's journey over these years. And so part of your journey is I saw that your brand is now officially released in Sephora, Canada. First off, huge congratulations. Like that is amazing. And we're going to put all of your links in our podcast everything down below because i think it's important for people to to not only talk about but they need to recognize and see themselves but also accessibility like it is now accessible to buy your product not that they couldn't buy it on your website but um now it's in sephora so that's amazing can you talk a little bit about that journey and that process especially since you're new to the beauty industry Yeah, that
1: major, massive learning curves along the way, for sure. And I just wanted to share with you, you know, when I was connecting, I had been estranged from my father, who is Ojibwe for many, many years for so many reasons. Um, And when I started reconnecting with him, I started learning more and more about my culture. And the first event I had gone to was like an Aboriginal Indigenous women's business Entrepreneur network event. <laughs> yeah, so sure. I'm at this event. We are, we have these massive acronyms in our communities. It's crazy, <laughs> and I I'll never remember all of them, but. There was drumming to begin the event. And I've been in the corporate world for most of my career. You never show up and there's a drumming circle. And I literally just started sobbing. And this mm-hmm. woman, who's an older woman, which I learned later, she was an elder from an Anishinaabe community. And she just leaned over and she said to me, Ah, you just heard your heartbeat and you found your way home, right? And I know I was like, if that that didn't make it worse, the sobbing even more, but it was just like, when you feel that connection and you're like, it feels like home when you're around your people, right? It really does. And there's nothing like it. It's really, really special. Um, Because for so when, and what, and the reason why I've learned it's special is because we weren't allowed to do this. We weren't allowed Mm. to be this way. We weren't allowed to be ourselves. We weren't even, we weren't allowed to be here and represent way back. Um, and, and, and now, you know, for our next generations, I'm just super grateful to be able to watch them just embrace who they are and where they come from with just such pride and dignity. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. So yeah, Sephora crazy, crazy. Um, I applied for their accelerator program. So now major companies, Target, Walmart, Sephora, You name it, Alta, all of these big organizations. And I know that these are in most industries have what they call like an accelerator program for new businesses. And it's really, it's very strategic on their part. Think about it. They're going to find out what's the new, next best thing before anybody else. And of course, they want to be or surround themselves. So Sephora does this. I apply for this program and I get rejected. And it was just so devastating. This is like two years after we launched the brand in 2016. So this was 2018 completely gutted and felt like my world was going to be over. Cause on my vision board here in my office, I've had Sephora as our global retail partner for like, since the beginning, that was what I had envisioned for this brand. And, um, I thought about it and I was like super depressed and I just stayed in contact. Now I had the emails of these people that I met around that boardroom table, right. At their head office Mm -hmm. here. And I was like, I am going to just keep reaching out to them. And what I learned in that meeting is, you know, one, we have to be able to take really constructive criticism as an entrepreneur, as somebody in business, they're the experts in their space, you know, and I really paid attention to what they were talking about and what, I connected with was this idea that it, it, you know, the way I had launched the brand was actually, um, you know, not, I'm saying easy, but it's not as hard as someone would think. There's a lot of manufacturers out there. There's a lot of people that will make a product and put your logo on it, and then you can call yourself a business. However, you don't have a lot of control because this is very expensive when you have more control over the packaging it goes into Mm -hmm. or the formulations of the product, right? So that would then be sort of the next level of that would cost a lot of money to do that. So that's, I started the really easy way, which is called private or white label. And I was able to do that. Um, because I, I didn't have very much money and they were letting me buy really what they call minimum quantity orders, which were really low minimums. And so that's how I started. And so that is the brand that I walked into Sephora's office with and what they said there to me, and they're not wrong. They're like, anyone can do this. Anyone. And turns out, you know, there's other brands that are almost like (laughs) me that are selling the same products. And so I was (laughs) like, Oh my goodness this is true anyone can do this so how can i make something that's unique that's special to our brand cheekbone beauty and i had been passionate about sustainability when i was in my food role selling seafood you know if i was at the boston seafood show which is like the biggest one um in north america we're there every year i'm the like one sitting in the sessions or the sort of um the breakout rooms that are all talking about sustainability that had been something i had yeah. been passionate for for so long about and then when I would start to talk to our supplier who was selling us the makeup that we were able to do at the time, I'd be like, okay, where does the mica come from? What, what about the, like, is there any way we can change packaging? Like I want to remove black plastic. We know that's one thing that never gets recycled and just started talking to them about these things. And it would be crickets first, they wouldn't respond Mm -hmm. and then they would tell you nothing. So I really felt like I wasn't dealing um, as honestly with, my customers as I would yeah. like to be, because how can I answer their questions if these people we're working with are, are not even telling me the truth. So I, we set out on this journey to truly become a sustainable brand. And the first lipstick we made is the one that you happen to get and where it was called our sustained bullet lipstick that comes in compostable paper packaging, it's mm-hmm. vegetable ink dyes. And then, you know, those raw ingredients are like literally 98% naturally derived. And so there's nothing bad in that lipstick at all. I think the only problem with our products is they're not going to last on the shelf forever like other brands because we've removed a lot of um, preservatives that are actually you know, our makeup needs preservatives, any sort of beauty product needs a preservative, but you can think of another preservative system that's a lot more natural. And and that's sort of the path we have chosen to take. And it's not been easy. This is probably the hardest part of this journey. I'm so proud. Last year, we became a B Corp certified company, which aligns so well with our indigenous values and our roots. When Mm -hmm. I think about my Anishinaabe, the Ojibwe people, there's so many teachings. And I know this is in many native, tribes, we have teachings. And what these are, is these are generally orally passed down. And one of the teachings that we have is, all it it talks about, you know, what we're doing for next generations. And in the Iroquois, people actually call this the seven generations teaching. And I think Mm -hmm. many people are familiar with that, this concept of what we do today as human beings, how will that affect, affect not the next generation, but the next seven. And we know that many um, people that are sort of experts in the sustainability world uh, always recognize our communities, Uh, David Suzuki being one of them, who's an environmental scientist, who constantly claims that if we all lived like the Native people did before colonization, we wouldn't probably be in the predicament that we're in and we're facing now. Um, And so in our little part of the world with our little small brand, Um, all these steps that we're making to really to be different and stand out and, and truly try to make change in this space. And so what becoming a B Corp means is we now have a legal obligation, like our lawyers, their lawyers are involved to both people and the planet before profits, which in business, that's, you know, not many venture capitalists want to hear you say something like that, but this is truly how much it matters to us as a business. And we will put people in the planet before we do profits. And I don't know what happened to our system, but why can't we have healthy companies where people are getting paid healthy salaries? And, you know, when we don't have Like massive stakeholders involved that are just concerned about how much more money they're going to make that year. Uh, Our focus is really about creating a healthy business where everyone gets paid well, but we also are not negatively impacting people or the planet. And that profit portion um, is where we we realize you can have a healthy company, but it doesn't have to be about excess. And I think that's the problem with our our a lot of business models. It's that idea of profit has to be in this massive excess, so that the people that have invested in that, and this is how mm-hmm. our whole like our whole in me in my opinion venture world is so screwed up because it's about the people that have invested in something that are going to be the wealthiest in the world, and
0: um, as opposed to the people that are passionate about the product itself. That.
1: Yeah. And, like, and, and I know this is such a holistic, different view from like a Western model of business, but I think we could operate differently and we Absolutely. would have more and it would be in more abundance for all of us versus just a select group.
0: I, I love that response. I mean, part of, so JMT Media, we've been in business now. We actually opened in September of 2015. So that's why I was like, when I first read, I was like, oh my gosh, that was the same year. Um, you know, for our company, it took us a hot minute to figure out our footing in terms of like, what are our core principles, right? Because as a marketing and PR company, we could market and promote really whoever you want. And I learned within the first two years, like, I don't want to be that kind of company. I want to work with the clients that I want to work with. And what are the types of products um, or projects that we want to push out? And for us, you know, our biggest core principles are really focusing on women empowerment, mentorship, mm-hmm. um, but also a lot of training goes involved in terms of even our new staff or staff that are doing internships. Um, and the reason for that is part of it is experience. You know, twenty plus years ago when I started this journey in marketing and advertising, I didn't want to be the intern that was making copies. Um, and so when we open up our internship program, We're very diligent and direct in telling our interns like you're part of the team. You're not going to be making coffee or copies or archiving stuff um, because you're never going to learn from me and you're never going to grow as as an individual. So um, that's why our podcast really talks about passionate people get the best press. Because you can't really talk about projects or work on projects if you're not feeling passionate about it at all whatsoever. And so I I think that, you know, part of what you said, your B um, certification, that is so incredibly humble and important. And it speaks volumes of not only the company that you've created, but also your long-term sustainability focus, Um, because as, as much as, yes, it's about you and your brand right now, What is it going to look like for seven generations after you? So I think that's incredible, Jen. I think that's incredible. Kudos to y'all. Thank you. Um, So I got a couple of questions because we're going to close out um, the podcast. So when you had your dream, so a lot of people have dreams. um, And so when you had your dream back in 2015 and you woke up and you wrote it down, what made you decide to take the next step to do it? Because a lot of times when we mentor young adults, they tell me, Jacqueline, I've created five business plans for five different products. And I'm like, great. Which one are you moving forward with? And they just stop. A lot of people just stop on their, their dreams. They don't go to the next step of execution or planning or strategy. So what made you decide to be like, I'm not stopping just writing this down in a journal. I'm going to move forward on this. Yeah. It's a great question. And
1: I think I speak to a lot of young people too, and it is interesting. And I, the, the one way i worded it to them, and I think the best way to describe it is when you are truly passionate about something, um, you will wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, get up and do a presentation. And I I recognize this. I had to present to some indigenous entrepreneurs in New Zealand. And that Mm -hmm. meant a a. 3am wake up call for me to do that. And I wasn't getting paid. Right. It was just, and but I was so passionate about yeah. the the brand that we were building that I wanted to share it with them and share sort of what has kept us going and how we've been doing that. So I believe that it's not something that you. You you can sort of grow or create. I think the idea, it all has to like intersect where that passion is just part of it. And you'll know it because you won't give up. You will keep going regardless. Is despite the like if it this is a roller coaster ride. Oh my goodness, the days I'm crying at least once a week about something. (laughs) Um
0: kept laughing you because know, my staff have, they're like, You're so strong. I'm like, you're just not in my office every single day. To see yeah. <laughs> a small business owner, right? Some days you're yeah. like, yes, yeah, it's great. Some days you're like, what is happening? And then um, you know, yeah. we talk about,
1: yeah, it's great. We're in Sephora, Canada, but to grow a company in North America, we need our US market. You you are A so much bigger country than we are with so many more customers and people. Canada is the same size as the state of California in terms of population, right? And so not having Sephora USA say yes to us for the last two years has been guttingly painful at the same time. Um, But thankfully, we have a nice opportunity coming up with JCPenney and 13 Loon. So we'll be in 600 stores in your area. Very no, soon, yes. yes. I was like, there's something there's always-, always works out, but again, it's the roller coaster. It's like this. And when you're yeah. down and out, you really feel it. And but then you have those moments where it's high, and but it's when you're down that it matters because it's that's where the passion will be like you kick your butt and just get up and keep going. keep going.
0: And that's what defines you, you know. Um, a couple of years back, I had also prepared for a really big meeting and I honestly thought, oh, it's going to go in my favor. We were looking for a home for a nonprofit that I run called the New York City Digital Media Center. And so I'm thinking, oh, of course, it's going to go in my favor. Like I've helped this business, blah, blah, blah. And I walked in and within 10 minutes, they were like, no, we're not moving forward with your location or co-locating your students here. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? I just was not prepared for that. And so I remember I walked out and I was so pissed that the heel on my high heel broke. And I remember I took a photo of it to remind myself that never accept. No, Um, you can kick and stomp all you want, but you better find another solution. And we did just that. And so as you're telling me about your new endeavor with JCPenney, like that's the exact truth to the matter. Like as an entrepreneur, you have to find a solution. It's never like, well, I can't, or there's this wall. Okay, well, now you got to figure out how are you going to get around that wall? How are you going to go over it? Yep, what's next? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, I feel like we could chat for hours. I'm like so intrigued by you. And I feel like I can connect you to the New York city market. So I'll send you a separate email. Because- and I want to know how to help you because yeah. you've mentioned youth and did like, it sounds like you do tons of work helping youth. Well,
1: that's what our brand is all about. So you're here it. for each other, whatever we can do to support your, your, your work, we're here for it.
0: That's amazing. Um, Jen, I just want to thank you so much for joining the JMT Media Podcast. This has been really the highlight for the past month. I've been telling everybody, don't book anything, leave that time slot. I can't wait to meet this woman, Jen. Um, So thank you so much for your time. And for those of you that are tuning in and listening, we'll put all the details um, on Spotify, iTunes, our YouTube channel, because it's really important that when you say that you're supporting minority women or indigenous women, like put your money where your mouth is and there's plenty of opportunities for you and the product speaks for itself. So thank you so much, Jen. And thank you to all of our listeners and our viewers. And we will chat with you on the next episode of JMT Media. Thanks so much, Jen. Thank you.